1: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to All Elite Wrestling and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm Aaron. I'm told I sounded like dog shit on the first show I did today. I'm hoping I sound a little better now. I'll do my best, fired up to talk about blood and guts, joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epidesis. What's up, Nate?
2: What's up, Aaron? What's up? real ee pod heads out there vlog fans blood and gut maniacs Aaron, i'll upgrade you to cat shit i think that's a little better than dog shit not not quite as uh, foul or stinky or messy uh
1: yeah i guess it just depends on uh on the particular animal i believe
2: i don't know i kind of think as a rule dog shit is is more of a mess i mean cats <laughs> put it in a tray right they put it in a litter box That's they're like... supposed to yes and then you just let it sit out in your house which is fucked up right isn't that what people do so i i feel like <laughs> it has to be less less rank than than dog as a rule is my is my belief but i don't have either so all right well, somebody let's... here has a dog i mean i have a dog i have two dogs and i'll flip it
1: over to another guy with a dog don't know if he has any cat if he well i know he doesn't have cats now but if he's ever had cats uh, it's Mike. What's up, Mike? What, what's your thoughts on cat versus dog uh, feces?
3: Well, my main thought about cat versus dog feces reminds me of Charles Mingus uh, training his, dog, his cat to use the toilet. Have you all ever heard of that?
2: No. Um, I have not, but I did see a tutorial for training your cat how to use the toilet um, on it, some it, it, video it was recently. By,
3: right. It was, it, it was written by Charles Mingus, the jazz musician. Because he trained his cats how to do it. And the whole idea is that you basically take a sheet of cardboard and you have like a small hole and you increase the size of the size of the hole until it's basically a toilet seat. But, uh, yeah, no, dog shit is much worse. As someone who has dealt with a fair share of really foul dog shit in recent months, uh, some real just eldritch horror ones that that I've seen lately, I I think cat shit would be the upgrade. But cat pee worse than dog pee.
2: I have to look this up because, of course, I have heard of Charles Mingus. Uh, I think a contemporary of Miles Davis. I have to see if teaching his cat how to use the toilet ranks important enough to make his Wikipedia. So that's what I'm going to be doing here.
1: Honestly, thought you meant uh, the kid from Boy Meets World. Don't Jeez. know who that is.
3: Educate yourself. Was
1: it his name, Mingus?
3: Ferg- Didn't watch. Uh, Fingus or Fergus. I-, I don't know. I watched Fer- it, like- Ferguson
2: was clearly explained to all
3: yeah first one was uh i i I'm sorry, I watch the shows like in the day and age that they happen not revisiting them as an adult person. all right, so. there we go,
2: Mike says, no old wrestling, glad to have you on the team Mike. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the, 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 that kills like half for patreon, Mike, what are you talking about, man? Yeah, no, we have to have that sorry I
1: think it's... fuck it must not be mingus I'm on the boy meets world um
2: <laughs> wikipedia can somebody can somebody tell me? There are there are ten results for cat on Mingus's Wikipedia, but it's like, you know, him calling other jazz musicians cats, <laughs> and not about <laughs> teaching his cat how to use. The it toilet. was Minkus on Boy Meets World. Minkus with a K. Okay. Well, it wasn't him either, uh, but yeah, it is doable. You you can like construct a a kitty li- kitty litter. Uh, 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 sort of platform inside your toilet, and you just kind of carve out the kitty litter part of it over time. And then they just learn how to use the toilet. It's uh, I would recommend doing it if you have a cat and are inclined to do so.
1: Uh, no cats here in the like the car household. Uh, yeah, just dogs.
3: Yeah. Uh, I never have owned a cat. I never will because I have very severe allergies and. Interestingly enough, that's kind of why I ended up with a Labradoodle, but uh, when they do the allergy tests, like they do it on a scale of zero to four uh, on how bad your irritation is. The person that administered my first allergy test said that it was the single worst uh, swelling that they've ever seen with cats. Like it this, was. That, this like... is
2: this is a fine piece of Mike lore. Historic cat allergies. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, 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 you you know what's my other wild allergy? As we are now all fully vaccinated, and you have to disclose this, cashews.
2: Mm, that's too bad. Cashews are good, good nut.
3: I uh, I discovered this on a plane flight where they gave you nuts, and I was, did not know this, and my my throat started closing up on a on a transcontinental plane flight.
2: I've never had cats, uh, but in New York, my roommates brother had a cat. So when his brother was out of town or whatever, which he traveled for work with some uh, some regularity, then we would take care of his cat. Uh, and his cat had three legs. So it was very, very nice for a weekend. Just to be like, oh, I get a cat, a three-legged cat for a weekend, and then I can get rid of it. It was very pleasant.
1: Well, if you want to know more about uh, the animals in our lives or our historic allergies, you can follow us on Twitter uh, at EverythingAEW. I'm at Aaron like the car, Nate's at Epidacis, Mike's at Fujiheya. Subscribe to the podcast, please, on the podcast app of your choice. If that's the Apple Podcast app, give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is over at patreon.com slash everything elite. An ad-free show this week. Uh, our friend Conrad has uh, just <laughs> convinced us to uh, join adfreeshows.com, and so that's what we'll be doing this week. Uh,
3: we spent some time at the Conradison, so you know.
2: It is, I and mean, this is actually a lie, because they're going to drop in ads, so it's not really true <laughs> that it's an ad-free show. Uh, I do, I'm going to take another point for uh, the five-star match game, because Andrew says in the chat that Miles, Mingus, and Monk were the Holy Trinity of 50 Jazz, so I was correct that Mingus and Miles were contemporary, so that's another yeah. point for me. I, I I widened my lead on Aaron Bentley.
1: Uh, jazz is fake. That's my take.
2: That's racist.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I I no, never mind. I don't want to talk about the I don't want to talk <laughs> about the racism list every week. But that's, I went to the
1: uh I went to the zoo with uh with some friends, I don't know, two weekends ago. And People,
2: the zoo is having a moment.
1: It's having a big moment. It's like a, it feels like a safe thing to do, you know, cuz it's outside and um I don't know, you can hang out with your friends. But I, like, realized that I have not been doing anything because this friend is also going through the Rolling Stone list. And every time we would, like, there would be, like, a moment of silence. You know, I would be like, <laughs> uh, so I listened to uh, this this album the other day. Was, like, fuck, man, I got to do something. So I have something more interesting to talk about. So I will not be making further conversation about the Rolling Stone list right now.
2: And in the meantime, you just leave us in the lurch and we have to talk about wrestling?
1: Yes, absolutely. Okay. All right, uh, we're going to skip Elite or Delete this week. I didn't tell Nate that, I guess, uh, but we, we had a Discord production meeting just straight up in the AEW channel in the Discord. I figured, you know, we might as well just talk about Blood and Guts to kick this off. Uh, we can throw in what we liked and didn't like and all that good stuff uh, right here up top in the show. So, Nate, I see you kind of preparing the takecopter, perhaps.
3: Uh, trying to get it revved up.
2: I would never infringe on Mike's trademark of the tape That's all I am.
3: I mean, it's gassed up. You're more than willing to take a ride on it. I mean, Aaron's been on it. It's a very lovely vehicle. You do have to hang out, hang on the side of it with a bullhorn. Like, that is the, yeah. the problem with the tape. I'm,
2: I'm a little worried about its uh, flight worthiness, to be honest, just because it doesn't sound like the rotor is going very fast at all. <laughs> seems, like, no, it seems like it's really puttering no. along there. So, uh, so here's my, here's, I'll do, I'll do a big, I'm going to do a big, show show point big big picture not a take a proclamation i'm declaring Nate's AW roster amnesty for everybody on the AW roster uh this whole show the ending was a little bit flat um but not you know not a disaster not a not an explosion deathmatch uh dud um but this show felt so hot and uh, every part of it felt like it was clicking and the crowd was on fire for the show even though the entire first hour was taped. Uh, they had a good Ethan Page segment on this show, which was heretofore thought impossible, uh, along with Scorpio Sky in there. Uh, Sean Spears was like an integral part and held his own in the blood and guts match. FTR were working their asses off and bleeding all over the place here. Uh, and I just thought we were coming up on Double or Nothing, which is the 2 year anniversary of their first show is that right? Uh, and I'm just de- I'm declaring Nate's AEW roster amnesty. I'm giving everybody a fresh set of eyes, a fresh crack at the bat. I I'm, I'm going to open myself to the possibility that Ethan Page can be an entertaining part of the television show along with the the previously mentioned people because in the right hands these people can can you know, succeed at high levels. They can be important parts of the of the story. They can hold their own and perform well in matches and bring something unique or special to the table, even if it's not, you know, being my favorite dude or being a, a top-level main event guy. So that was really my overall show point. Um, any thoughts on that, I guess, before we do the match?
1: Delete, delete, delete. Um, Yeah, the
2: the heel, the heels digger inner, Aaron Bentley. He's digging his heels in.
1: Uh, No, I mean uh, someone made this point in the Discord, but they're right. That segment was entertaining because of Darby Allen. It had nothing to do with Ethan Page. Ethan Page just happened to be in a Darby Allen segment.
2: You're right. Um, Except it was the best thing that Ethan Page has done in the company so far in terms of his promo and his performance. Certainly, it was better than the matches or the backstage promos or the vlogs. Jesus Christ. Um, It was just a straight ahead yelling at the camera promo where he's like, I fucked you up before and I'm going to fuck you up again. Uh, And it was like, oh, he's not putting on this big insincere voice or, uh, you know, being too cute by half with it. Uh, He was just, you know, very direct. And uh, for that reason, I was like, hey, that was not cringeworthy. That was entirely fine.
1: I mean, yeah, that's, that's reasonable. He didn't, I didn't want to change the channel uh, during his promo, which I guess is, uh, so it was certainly better than Scorpio sky's dog shit promo to start the segment. So he had that going for him. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe that's Ethan page's thought here is like, I am going to look good compared to Scorpio sky when it comes to promos.
2: So here's what's confusing about Scorpio sky's promo is he started off being the Riddler to sting's Batman, but, Sting, of course, is the insane icon. Sting was doing the Joker wrestler before any of these other uh, you know, knockoff, you no, know, uh fucking, what's the 30 seconds from Mars Guys? Jared Leto asked jokers in the wrestling from in the wrestling industry. So that threw me for a loop. I was like, come on, you can't you can't call Sting Batman now. He's the Joker, which makes you not the riddler, but uh Who's who's a really low level Batman villain? The Calendar Man? I don't know.
3: Calendar Man Solomon Grundy. I mean that there, that there, there's a there's a bit. I mean, arguably Mister Freeze kind of sucks. You Mr. know, Mister Freeze. DC yeah.
2: Mister Freeze so. was is never really Arnold. If you didn't have Arnold, then nobody would yeah. have any fondness for Mister Freeze. I'm gonna yeah, go with no, Calendar absolutely. Man. Scorpio Sky is Calendar Man. Uh,
1: I I really just want to give shouts to Nate here for. We didn't do elite or delete. I said mm. we're gonna start with <laughs> blood and guts, and Nate still did something totally Steam fucking. different.
2: Roller, I mean but you said to yourself you didn't tell me about this. So no, I, that, I started true. talking about what I was gonna talk about. Also, it was a show long point. Uh and, and that's what really was refreshing to me about the show is like, oh, like there is interesting stuff up and down this card. There are big matches on uh future television shows and future pay-per-views to look forward to. Uh and fucking you know sean spears went in there and he had a chair with his special logo on it and he nailed the guy with it and i was like yeah they had fucking headshots in the in the blood and guts match i was like okay see these you know the, tony i don't know you, you can make these guys work so coming up on the anniversary fresh start aw roster amnesty
3: i i think it's something that Aaron, we were talking about this morning. Like, there is a formula to the war games match, and w- we laid out like, okay, you're not dicking around with like the idea of the faces get the advantage. Like, the the instant way to make a a a, a blood and guts slash war games match just absolutely like defeat the purpose of it. And they pick the right person from the inner circle, the face, to be in there to start. But it seemed like. That like they carved out all this time for blood and guts, like and they had it live in front of the crowd, they wanted to make sure that the crowd didn't feel like that they got screwed over, which is entirely fair, like the idea that they had all these state matches, and then they only had one match in front of them and some and some solid promos, to be fair, but you had the the idea of war games are you have the periods and then you have a pretty quick conclusion afterwards because usually. One of the conceits about the ward games match especially at the original ones is you have someone like jj Dillon in there and he is either you have like the the idea behind it is that you have like the flunky you have the manager has to get in there and fight them as well and the and then they're the convenient person to submit or surrender there was no opportunity for that here because of you had 10 people and they were all featured wrestlers in the roster and You had basically twenty minutes after, or what what was it? What was their term for the match? Beyond wasn't it like all All out out assault? All out assault. I mean, did they say that? Yes, they did. Now that now that Nate said it, I thought they were just calling
1: it submit or surrender.
3: I mean, that's what I would have called it. All out assault is some real American gladiators ass uh, stuff right there. But uh, you had twenty minutes there, and a lot of it really was building towards the the surrender up top of the cage of MJF forcing I guess it would be Sammy Guevara to surrender for the for the inner circles to prevent Jericho going off the top of the cage but it just kind of lost steam at a certain point like the first the first period with Dax and uh Sammy Guevara probably some of the most I've enjoyed Dax in AEW like that period I felt like was worked really well and then that, that then you had Sean Spears come in, as Nate said, like just going headshot, boom, headshot, which was perfect. And then, you know, Santana might be my MVP of this match, just because when he came in, like he was someone that was constant action, and whenever the camera was focused on him, it was always interesting stuff he was doing, and it wasn't clear stalling because when it got to a certain point, and the all out, all out assault, I hate that. I'm all out assault, my, all out assault during the uh, actual. Match portion, it just kind of went to a halt, and I mean you can't really do anything about the commercials. I mean that's something that like they would probably love to be able to do it completely commercial free, but that's ultimately not their call. So like that's just what it is. But it, it it got kind of meandering towards the end, and that was kind of my yeah that was like one of my big issues. And I did really like that we got combat mode inner circle like like I like that that they came out all supposed to be wearing jumpsuits like they were b- busting out of prison i mean that that's a christian idea if i ever heard of one it's like hey go figure out what's your, the closest pr- prison to where you grew up and that's where you're going to be yeah, built okay. from so 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 you had sammy with the harris harris county texas uh detention facility and, and all of that like that was tight but just so yeah like, i
2: think i think the timing for the show um kind of as they as they entered the second hour they did this big uh, uh, championship match showdown sort of thing, setting up Pack for Soren Cassidy for next week, and and Omega cut a long promo and vamped a lot and talked to the crowd and did all this stuff. Uh, and then from that point, it kind of felt like they were trying to rush. Like, oh, Kenny's going long in this. Uh, you could. They came right back from that, started plugging next week's show, and Excalibur did the fastest match readout I've ever heard anybody do. He was just banging through all the matches, and they had Miro do his. And then they finally got into the match, it just felt like the timing was a little off because they had all these great ideas for the first third of the match that Mike was talking about where you have all the individual wrestlers enter and it's very easy uh, you know maybe it's not very easy, but it's uh, a, um, a less complex task to you know sort of lay out a match where it's like, okay, this guy enters and how do we get this guy some shine and what we'll do to do these other guys all this is happening. Uh, and they had a lot of good ideas for that. And that was, uh, I think the highlight of the match and that fucking kicked ass really. I mean, um, you had some great looking spots. You got awesome reactions for the baby faces coming in to even things up. Uh, you had just sort of the, the stuff that looks, uh, you're not sure if it's planned or not, but looks totally brutal. Like the guys Ortiz getting, you know, trapped between the cage and the ring and repeatedly Santana having the same thing happen. Um, and that was all awesome. And, uh, it felt to me like their timing just got messed up. I don't know if, because it's earlier in the show, but when you have Wardlow do his big entrance and showdown with the entire other team and it happens during an ad break, that feels like a fuck up to me. I don't think he would make that uh, decision intentionally because um, you know he, he was going to get shine there and then you saw him get a bunch of shine later when he was going to you know try and make the one-man comeback for the pinnacle. Um, so that part was all great, but yeah, then it got into the all-out assault part where everybody's in the ring fighting at once, and yeah, you just kind of get a morass. Like, you only have so many ideas for what to do where it doesn't just turn into, like, a battle royal where everybody's grouped up in in a corner or whatever and trading punches. And it just felt like they had too much time for that part of the match before they got to the finish of the match, which, of course, is where Tully Blanchard gets involved, and they go and, you know, climb climb to the roof to do all that stuff. So, I I just, it it seemed, they were probably trying to thread a needle, like, okay, we're going to do... A super intense blood and guts match. It's going to be like war games, which were these, you know, high energy, super intense matches for 25 minutes, whatever. But we're going to do it with commercials on television. So we have to have more time because you want the exciting stuff to happen in between the commercials. And then while the commercials are happening, that's when you can take, you know, a break in the ring a little bit, catch your breath, do whatever. And, yeah, I just felt like that was that was too big, a too big a task to attempt on a first attempt at this blood and guts match so yeah like the the second part of that match was kind of meandering and then you got onto the finish which again they had ideas for uh and you can heighten the drama of course going to the top of the cage it's going to heighten the drama heighten the stakes uh and then it all you know kind of comes down to what they did with the finish which i think was uh you know a logical idea a, a pretty decent idea for giving the heel team a win in the big gimmick match um, and I, you know, I don't, I think that's a fine thing to do on television. Uh, but then, you know, you try and cap it off with the big bump and your mileage is going to mer- your mileage is going to vary on how you like that big bump.
1: Yeah, it all comes down to a real pacing problem, which is that if you have two minute entrances where, Okay. When the bad guys enter, there's this fun beatdown, And when the good guys enter, there's this like big swell, especially with this big crowd of like, oh, this is excitement. So something exciting is happening every two minutes. And then suddenly you get five on five and it's like, it didn't feel like they had more than two minutes of ideas of like exciting things to do after that. And there was 20 minutes left in TV time when they got to the five on five part. So that's, it's just poorly laid out. Like, if uh, if you watch the the old Crockett War Games matches, like they said, they're 25 minutes long. Like, you could have done this in 30 minutes and had a really great match where the last segment is like three to five minutes, basically. Now, of course, they wanted to do this whole melodramatic thing uh, on top of the cage. And my issue, I mean, A, I hate when a cage match goes outside of the cage. I just think the point of a cage is to keep the wrestlers inside the cage. So that's always going to irritate me. Uh, That said, when they get up top, it's like, okay, this is from like a television perspective, this is compelling. You know, you got like, suddenly you can focus in on these two guys because the point of War Games is that the end of the match is five on five. Mike and I talked about that this morning of like, it's really a struggle to figure out how you're going to do a finish with 10 guys in a ring. And we are all. We, how many multi-man tag matches do we see where uh, ten pinfalls or, or submission attempts get broken up by somebody else? So it's it's really hard to figure out how you're going to do that. So you know, their solution was break open the cage. Uh, but regardless of that, you get your focus on these two guys. the The overall problem for me, and I do think, like the bump kind of sucked. You know, it it was weird to me that uh, that the inner circle guys believe like, oh yeah, I'm, well, I'm sure MJF will, will just uh, stop doing this. If we just quit, you know, I'm sure that'll happen. Uh, but my, my biggest problem with it was. inner uh, Pinnacle wins. MJF wins. But he, I don't think he or the pinnacle comes out of this looking any better. They don't actually get that big bump. And I don't mean bump of, of like taking a bump, but like the ratings bump of like overcoming the inner circle in the way that you would want to, to kind of like the whole feud was about MJF taking Chris Jericho's spot. Right. Yeah. Well, how did he push? Well, he I mean, literally pushed Jericho. Okay, sure. But how did he, he like,
2: you keep working against yourself with these I words know, these words are using.
1: <laughs> but but how did he elevate himself above Jericho Um, well, with was, the way that they won the match?
2: Cage. He was on top of the cage. So Jericho <laughs> was on the ground below. I think <laughs> Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> um, <no, I, laughs> yeah, the you know the traditional way to elevate a guy is if MGF pins him clean in the middle with this move and it's like, yeah, yeah I, I beat you. I have your belt now. I have your spot now, whatever. Um, so I, I do kind of get what you mean. Um, I think they tried to have their cake and eat it too by like, we're not going to cleanly beat the inner circle. There are big baby faces. Chris Jericho is the top guy. Um, so we're going to have like a, a, a cheap a uh, shit heel h- finish from the heel, but he's also going to be a prick and push him off the cage uh in order to get the big spectacular finish. So I think it's kind of tried to have it both ways. And I think it like 70% works. Um And he- even like the crash pad is like, well, they did a de- like they put fake metal plates on it. That seems like a good idea. Uh It's just, you know, when you see the bump and you see the camera looking right at it and everybody sees those plates like bend up when he hits, it's like, well, everybody... Can see what that is, so I, I think there was maybe a way to make that work because it seems like there were some ideas there. It just you know didn't get shot or whatever in the right way. What would you think of the bump, Mike?
3: The bump, I mean, not WWE's the bump, not WWE's the bump. The premiere, I'm not even going to pretend to know what their catchphrase is. Up, uh, the bump itself, like it makes sense with MJF's character, and I felt like that it was sufficient there, and it does kind of, and, and MJF does have, like, the motivation that he literally wants to be uh, higher than Jericho. My issue with the bump, and this is something that they now have a trend of, they s- really kind of uh, shoot themselves in the foot with how they produce these things. Like, we've already been through how the explosion happened, and how the explosion just was not what it was about to do, and they had to retcon on it. Uh, this one, you y- it was clear it was a crash pad from the go. Like, even if I didn't already like see a tweet about it, I've would have been like, "Oh yeah, no, that's a crash pad. Obviously, they're hiding there." And the thing that bothered me about the bump, like, I mean, it made total sense. Wise, I mean, other than like Nate, you're entirely right, or whoever said, that, "I apologize." It, it was me. Trip. Yeah, Nate. Okay, I was right then. Nate, uh, you're absolutely right about it. That like it shouldn't be like the inner circle should have no reason to believe any of what MJF says. And that was kind of.
2: But I was right, also. Yeah, yeah,
3: you both were right. Hey, we're all right here. But uh, the the motivation there. But the bump itself, like, Jericho started fidgeting when he landed instead of selling it like a dead fish, and that really bothered me. For some reason, I just, like, when he saw that, and, like, he was, like, fidgeting, like, he was, like, moving his head like this, whereas, like, for something, and, I mean, there's something to be said about, The Jim Ross, like dramatic voice, you know, the bad news Jim Ross voice that, like, they tried to affect a little bit. And I did love the fact that Tony Schifoni called him a little shithead or called him a shit.
2: I, 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 it's, I, but if they're going to do these big spectacular endings, I guess you can't, if you want it to, if you're obsessed with trying to do them safely, which, mm -hmm. you know, is a good idea, I guess, for your employees, uh, then they really have to look great or the, you know, at, f- people are going to pick them apart because people want to pick them, uh, pick wrestling apart. That's what we do on the show. Um, if you're not, if you can't make it look great, then you, and you want to do it, then you have to do it like Darby Allen did it and just fucking do it and j- throw yourself down mm-hmm. the stairs. Uh, if you can't do either of those things, then you just can't do it or you're you're going to set people up for disappointment.
3: You see, Nate, I, n- I understand what you did there because you knew I was going to make this point. So you asked me that question so you can make your follow up point there, right?
1: Yes. yes. It's the magic of podcasting for us. Magic
3: of podcasting. But like, the I had issues with the production all night though. Like that was the thing, like with like shooting like a show with two rings and like moving and keeping your hard cam where it was and like having bad crane shots of the stuff that was in the first hour really bothered me. Like, it's like, guys, you could set up two hard cams and have like hard cam left ring, hard cam right ring. Like just take a camera off the floor that you're already going to be taking off the floor anyways, because you have two rings you're dealing with. You know, that and probably that would have been cleaner,
2: me. but I also kind of, one of the other things that I liked about this show was it just felt totally different because they, you know, uh, slated out the entire second hour for this match. And they had, you know, like going into the match, they had two separate interview segments because like, well, we got to, you know, it just had a different layout. It didn't feel like the same, you know, kind of rote formula that they do on most shows. You know, they're not all rote, but, you know, you kind of get the idea for how they like to pattern things. And just having the second ring there through the first hour just made it feel special and unusual in that way. So it didn't even mind bother me much that it was like, oh, it's, it's kind of a crooked take on the ring because they didn't move the hard cam. But yeah, it would have been cleaner if they'd set up two hard cams or just set up one hard cam and shoot one ring all night instead of switching from one ring to the other.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say the production and doing those interviews before the match like, with the lights all dimmed, and then, like, coming out and having, like, a, like an interview station there looked awesome. Like, like, that, I think it might be some, like, the, the best production they did was, like, having them there and, like, having them, like, self-contained right there. It felt really organic, and it felt like it was really, like, in a lead-up to something. And especially, like, when you had, like, Miro just go grab the microphone with, like, this imposing structure behind him as he says, Darby. Uh, one of the best promos I feel like the company's had in a while, the, the, the closing line that Miro had there. So, it just... It the, the, there were some hits and misses here and, and I w- it was something that I felt like they could have made more hits a lot easier they they could have made it easier on themselves
2: yeah that was a cool thing they would do in like WCW where they'd do interviews up on like a, a stage or something and the people could be like sort of addressing the crowd and face the crowd and play with the crowd instead of being cordoned off or whatever uh, I also just kind of like doing two interviews. It kind of felt like a UFC or something where it's like the big match is coming up. We're going to make you wait for it. And you're going to build anticipation for it. Cause we're going to do three interviews first.
1: Yeah. The two ring thing was weird because you know, in WCW the point of doing matches in separate rings is you got a whole fucking crowd there in an arena. Right. And you don't want a whole side of the crowd to feel like, you know, they've they've been made to have a harder time watching the show. But these matches were taped in front of no one other than like the wrestlers around the, around the ring or whatever. So it was really pointless. Uh, But yeah, the interviews were cool. And it, like it had that feel that you're talking about, Nate. And also like, I appreciated that they they just wanted the live crowd to get to see some of the stars. Right. Which also felt like, I don't know. It felt important and cool of like, oh man, a
2: crowd seeing a show. Yeah. It was like, wow. Orange Cassidy came out and the crowd was like, we get to see Orange Cassidy. Uh, <laughs> very much like uh, John Thorne of AIW <laughs> tweeted about how Eddie Kingston showed up at one of their shows recently and they went out to a restaurant and the server lost his mind about seeing Eddie Kingston and serving Eddie Kingston. He's like, wow. And he went home and posted on Facebook about meeting Eddie Kingston. It's like, oh yeah. Like It's been super easy to meet Eddie Kingston at a show for the last decade plus, but now – he's on TV with John Moxley every week and uh, it's a whole new world for Eddie Kingston and all these people who didn't know who he was. Uh, so yeah, it was, you got some of that here on television where it's like, Orange Cassidy came out and like, yes, we get to see Orange. We get to see Orange and Kenny interact. We're seeing stars and we're reacting to them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was great. You know, of, uh, just seeing, hearing the reactions. That was exciting. Um, all the you know the pops for uh, as you were talking about when the when the baby faces came in you know that that is why I was pissed off why I didn't get to hear the Wardlow one you know like I want to hear people go crazy for Wardlow it was not
2: as as big as I would have hoped he, he got oh, yeah booed. You, you heard it I guess yeah I I saw the whole thing uh, he, he got booed a decent amount you know maybe I uh, maybe AEW fans are normier than I thought but I thought he was gonna get like a, yeah, a, some quantity of face reaction just because he seems very cool, <laughs> but no, he just got like straight up booze,
1: you know, and, and maybe they put him in the break. Cause they were worried he would get cheers and they didn't want that on TV. I don't know, but yeah, I guess just overall kind of a weird match for me. A lot of, you know, the first part was great. I just coming out of it. I'm not sure how anything has changed. For anybody, I don't, I'm not sure I, that anybody is in a different position than they were before the match.
3: I would argue that the inner circle no longer have a purpose now.
2: But I don't know about that. Maybe that's true. I, I, I'd say maybe the big takeaway is we're not going to see Jericho for some number of weeks. So that's probably the big shakeup. Maybe inner circle has to figure out what they're going to do without Chris Jericho, and maybe that's why they don't have a purpose. Uh, but that seems like it should be the most obvious like impact going forward. And then of course MJF can come on TV every week and be like, I took out Chris Jericho. I took a spot. He's gone.
1: Yeah, that's true. And then he comes back and I guess, I don't know they're going to do MJF and Chris Jericho again. Uh, I mean, they have to eventually, I suppose. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, uh, that was all Mike and I wanted to talk about this morning was like, Oh, it's very intriguing how the finish is going to be because the inner circle has been so important to a W that was the big build on the road to uh episode. And you're like, okay, are they going to, you know, uh, put, put inner circle kind of behind them, you know? And it's like, okay, well that was the thing that happened and now it's over. And then the pinnacle is really just trying to get started, you know, and they needed to win to get the momentum. And somehow, I mean, this, I mean, this didn't really feel like a WWE finish, but it had the WWE effect of like, the right thing without anybody getting anything out of it it's just (laughs) like okay um yeah so i don't know uh i'm not crazy about how it turned out but uh, at least there was a lot of fun to be had during the match so
3: it it's worth noting that it does seem like fozzy has some dates coming up and a lot of them that i'm seeing that haven't been rescheduled it's pretty constant stuff and at least for the next few weeks so i don't think we'll be seeing jericho for a while
2: yeah, so, you know, Santana Ortiz and Sammy get big face runs should be, you know, they they are all primed for that. The audience is ready for that in a big way. Uh, you know, Jake or whatever who cares, he's around. Um so, yeah, you got you got good opportunities for all those guys going forward and uh, you know, I think you've solidified and, and solidified the Pinnacle as a unit and I think you've kind of legitimized like, Sean Spears in a way that he wasn't before, maybe. For me, anyway. This was, like, the best thing he done, he's done, except for that initial chair shot. Obviously, you know, it doesn't mean I want to see him pushed, but, you know, he's not like a, it's not like a stalker Ichikawa out there.
3: Hey, <laughs> watch what you say about the best comedy wrestler of all time. Hey, i my present.
2: I hate to be horny
1: on main, but I did have a moment of, like, Sean Spears looks good in a pair of pair of trucks.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Cassie Lee.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. That was my main takeaway, but yeah, that's been something that I've kind of hated about this is that Sammy was so hot coming out of the big, like uh, proto breakup story. And then now he feels like an afterthought. So I hope they can kind of mm. ramp that back up for him.
2: I don't know. The, uh, this this match felt centered around Wardlow and Sammy to me. The whole, the whole first act was Jim Ross putting Sammy over and him doing big spectacular spots. And the finish of the match was, hey, Sammy's the good guy that's going to submit and give up in the match because he wants to protect his friend, Chris Jericho, the big star. <laughs> so that to me is like, oh, Sammy's a good established baby face at this point. Yeah, but there was a
1: moment where it was like Sammy Guevara single star is like what it what it felt like. Uh, Yeah, he him versus Jericho was like a main event program. It felt like,
2: yeah, I think uh, they can still do that. They can do Santana Ortiz finally get like a good run in the tag division now. And, you know, instead of going right back to Jericho and MJF, maybe, you know, Sammy kind of goes his own way with the with the long term goal of getting ultimate revenge on MJF. Maybe that's how you play it.
3: Yeah. And Sammy out of like I. I personally think like Santana is someone that if I don't think they should break up uh, Santana and Ortiz at all, but if there was like a situation where you need to have a singles run out of someone, Santana is totally prepared for it. Between his promo at Row Two and I felt like his fire that he came in with, the exception of FTR hair just like flying in there and like jumping off ropes and colliding into people, just popping the hell out of me. I felt like he came up for a while. Well. Uh Sammy is someone that. It's so interesting to see like what could have happened if the impact stuff would have worked for him, you know, because that because that could have kept him away longer and active longer, and that could have been something that played into things, you know.
2: Yeah, uh, I did think about that, um, but also it, it seems like from them not wanting to do it, it's like oh, there's no no way to make this work for what you want to do with Sammy. We don't want him to be you know, the third guy in a match where some of other, other people are involved the pinfall. So yeah, I mean, if they had just given him the X division title and he kept it and never lost it, that'd be great, but it didn't seem like they were going to do that.
0: In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey junior rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark until now Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.
1: All right, well, let's uh, run down the rest of the show, uh, the first hour or so of the show, and and chat about that. Uh, Don Callis came out at the beginning of the show. He said Kenny Omega couldn't be here tonight, so uh, Mt Nakazawa is going to wrestle all by himself. So Nakazawa does not seem uh, particularly pleased about this uh, development. He's standing in the ring as John Moxley and Eddie Kingston uh, make their entrance, but Kenny Omega attacks them from behind, uh, and then we get the match with Kenny and Nakazawa versus Moxley and Eddie. And ultimately, Moxley pinned Nakazawa uh, with the paradigm shift. After the match, the Young Bucks taunted uh, Moxley and Eddie from the stage. Good Brothers attacked him from behind. This goes on for a bit, ends with Omega doing a one-winged angel on Eddie. And uh, I think Carl Anderson counting the, the three count.
2: That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's just kind of fun seeing Michael Nakazawa in there with... John Moxley uh um, ripping off the shirt and just getting after. his shirt ripped off choking him out with the headset which he wears all the time cuz he's some weird riff on QT Marshall
3: the, <laughs> um, the mouth blood he incidentally got a lot of incidental blood on this show oh which, yeah I mean, everywhere hey, pretty much yeah uh, was the only match without incidental blood uh Britt versus Julia Hart
2: sounds right uh hey you know they they promised blood and they gave us blood so boy howdy all right. Uh, does, do you guys think this
1: is, well, now we know, we'll talk about this later, but we know what the the Kenny match for Double or Nothing, we vaguely know where that's going. So do we think we're looking at Young Bucks versus Mox and Eddie for Double or Nothing?
2: That makes sense as a uh, big match to feature John Moxley, who's pushed harder than anybody else in the company and while also keeping him away from Omega for a little bit. Um, and Yeah, Young Bucks are have their big SCU match already happening. So, yes, that makes sense. They have to make those steps play out over the coming week.
3: It 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 lines up, and I mean, it's something that they've nicely kind of like the nice thing about the SCU match is that you don't really need to build it at this point. So they've done all this build towards that. That I think that then moving into that, but then you and it doesn't have to be a title match between them. Like it does not have to be another title defense there, but that it will be a title defense. They'll find some way to justify it. But I think that that's the likely direction. And I think it's a smart use of, of this feud and all four individuals in it.
1: it tonight. It felt like they were like, okay, baby, we're going into uh, overdrive on this bill to double or nothing. We're going to give I you know, all the right? matches.
3: I, I, for once, I don't have to complain about, Hey, we're supposed to be paying this money for this pay-per-view because brother, they were building towards that pay-per-view tonight.
2: I do think I said last week, hey, you know, this could all come together. Maybe if they don't put anything together over the next two weeks, then they'll complain. But they still got time.
3: I, I mean, I'll still say that they could have been building stuff. And I feel like that it's stuff that it, they that it could have been done pretty easily. Like the whole thing with like Orange Cassie has just kind of been floating on the ether and so has PAC over the last few months. And if this is... And if this was going to be the big build towards one of the other ones there, like you could have been making like, who's going to be like this and then build up with that. I mean, they have done short build championship title matches and have felt like less like that. They're like, Oh, well these two are on top. Let's have them face each other for the, for the match against Kenny. Uh,
1: Then we had Cody versus QT Marshall. Cody won with the figure four after the match. Uh, the governor, Anthony Agogo, hits Cody with the liver punch, drapes him in the British flag. And I assume we have another double or nothing uh, program there.
2: Governor's got to win that match. Uh, love the factory. Love the governor. Um, you know, the, the match was, was fine for where it got us. You know, Cody does these things where he wrestles. I don't know. I, I got to wrestle my best friend, Sean Spears. We got to go out there and have the best two and a half star match that you've ever seen this, this is what this is like what this is cody's driving passion is i gotta have my own promotion so i can have two and a half star matches with my friends <laughs> <laughs> like i gotta i gotta play my music my own way i can't i can't have vince telling me how to play my music because i just nothing i love nothing more than two and a half star specials um yeah the factory rules uh governor should punch out more people in the coming weeks he should just punch out people backstage uh that's yeah my take
3: yeah i i think it's something that i mean we haven't seen alex marvez on tv for a while i think that he should like sock him and then like get him off tv for even longer just like do like that and then qt just be like oh i'll use my other money to pay for it and do that that way uh the match itself uh popped me and not because i thought it was like a great match just because like we we had a back rake as, like, a big spot in this match. Like, like, like Cody's shine ended... His first shine ended with a giant back rake in 2021. And that just tickles me. And, you know, the match itself, it, it's exactly what I was expecting a Cody versus QT Marshall match to be. I mean, a whole lot of just... Uh, j- j- I, I don't even know how to explain why, why this, like, tickled me. But, like, the idea of them doing... A bad looking double crossbody spot really amused me and really gave me a level of life there, but i I enjoy this feud even though I think q t needs to tone down the Sopranos act about twenty percent and however, I think the governor needs to crank up his act a good three hundred percent while we're at it. yeah, the match sucked. It's like cody,
1: but you're you're good the matches that you have that are good are filled with uh, you know shenanigans and nonsense melodrama yeah yeah you can't just like wrestle qt marshall for 12 minutes or whatever the fuck
3: well i <laughs> yes you can and that's what we get here uh well also just because QT... you
1: can michael doesn't mean you should
3: yeah no i mean but that's kind of the story of aw at times right sure <laughs> sure
1: yeah for sure uh I'm fascinated to see if Cody is willing to put over the governor, uh, just like clean on pay per view.
2: I mean, Cody seems to. Cody seems confident that he can go out and get betrayed by somebody and get his ass beat, and he's not going to lose any of his stature or status for it. So I kind I kind of think the governor beats him.
3: Oh, for sure, yeah.
1: Well, we'll see. I guess. I mean, I'm. I'd like I mean, to believe it. He,
2: he that. seems like a Cody project, too, right? So
1: that's true. And he's like a legit athlete, you know. So some people uh, get very excited about that,
2: <laughs> right? Undertaker. Oh, I can't lose to anybody except the fucking MMA guy because he's real. He's legit. <laughs> uh,
1: then this was the uh, the segment with Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky with Alex Marvez. Uh, Scorpio Sky tells us Sting is a mosquito. So. Uh, he's going to kill him. Ethan Page says, Darby and I have a storied history, but nobody wants to hear about a bunch of matches no one ever saw. Uh, a friend of the show, Cubs fan, said, No, he just wants to hear people named Aaron talk about it.
2: Yeah, we got, I don't know if you looked at the mentions of the EE Pod account. We got a lot of mentions when that happened.
1: <laughs> no, I, I did not see. Like, that. oh, he,
2: everything AEW boys must be laughing their heads off. I was like, I was just mad that Ethan Page had a good segment. I was pissed off. <laughs>
3: Grant Akuma made sure to, to give us a shout there as well, which popped me a lot. Thank um, you.
1: I appreciate it. Uh, and yeah, I just talked about that he had caused some injuries to Darby. So Darby attacked and then they uh, threw him down some stairs.
2: That's faith, safety nerds were out. They were, I mean, hopefully I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll retract this if it turns out that Darby actually got super fucked up there. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people doing a lot of uh, hand rigging about having darby do this big bump like you didn't see darby on get thrown in a body bag onto a security railing in at the hyaline stadium in fucking orlando florida <laughs> um so if you if you weren't there for those ethan page matches then you know you can't you can't talk about darby that's the new one yeah yeah
1: i mean I've, yeah we'll just simply uh, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that's just all I have to say about that. Uh,
2: Darby, this is what Darby
1: does. I mean, this, it's is not why, like, this is
2: why Darby is where he is.
1: Yes. He would not exist, but for his willingness to hurt himself. Uh, and so if you don't like this, like you don't like Darby, right? I mean, that, that that's the Darby character. Uh, so. it, it,
2: um, this is, this is not really fair. I, I do understand people being like, Oh, I don't want to see Darby get actually injured because I really like Darby. And I don't like seeing human beings suffer or whatever on television. That's fine. I understand that. Uh, you do have to acknowledge there's some dissidence between going, ooh, Darby took a really nasty looking bump down the stairs. Oh, but also that bump Chris Jericho took looks so fake and stupid. You can't. Very difficult to hold both of those statements at the same time.
1: And it's not like somebody's holding a gun to Darby's head to do these bumps. He's like, he's suggesting these bumps. I, I feel confident.
3: Yeah, and it's not like if he wasn't wrestling, he wouldn't be doing stuff like this. I think that's also fair to say. I mean, he is someone that, I mean, right. he posted his bailout videos, and I would say his bailout videos looked much more gnarly than that bump that he took today.
2: That, yeah, that's extremely true. <laughs> he would definitely be doing this shit one way or the other. He's insane. Uh, then we had
1: Britt Baker versus Julia Hart. Uh, Britt won with the Lockjaw.
3: This was... Perfect for what it was. You know I mean? Britt won in the lead-up to her title match, and she completely took out someone that is a both a Molly Holly and a Mr. Anderson student and a Cody Rhodes student. So covering all the bases of AEW Dark right there.
2: Yeah, good to, you know, just give give Britt some warm-up wins for her title challenge. That makes sense. People seem excited about the title challenge. There was a pop when they played the graphic. Um, you know, start... Start giving us the big promo packages and, you know, Sheeta interviews and, uh, you know, Sheeta highlights of her title reign videos. Start putting those together now so we can build the anticipation for the title match when it comes without needing, you know, little dentist's office skits and stuff in these Chris Jericho segments. Just give us the, the fucking Moxie versus Nagata video, but for this big title match that everyone wants to see.
1: Yeah,
3: and, and it's oh, I'm oh sorry,
1: we were Mike and I were playing chicken there of of who was going to talk, <laughs> uh, and it's like Sheeta needs to be a part of this uh, at some point, and she really hasn't played any role so far. So,
3: but it's something that they have all the footage they really need for this feud in the can because they've been building this thing, and this has been the end goal for Britt Baker for such a long time that it's it, it's really just telling their editor, okay, we have the. We have the clip of Hakarashita talking about, like, her dream is to defend the title in a sold-out arena because she's not had the opportunity to do so yet. And then, like, double or nothing, apparently, is going to be full capacity. So, I mean, there you go. You have that there. And then you have the lead up with Brett. Like, this is something that, like, other than, like, face-to-face stuff, given that we are four weeks out, they're at the finishing line here. It's just how they choose to portray what has happened before. Like I, I, am I off base in saying that I feel like that the tough work in this feud is over now. It's just time to cash in.
2: Well, no, they've done the, the tough work of making a really legitimate and exciting challenger. They've had, they've done the tough work of having an established champion who's had the belt for over a year or whatever, and faced off all comers. Those are like, yeah, the big picture, tough parts of making an exciting title match. Uh, now they're in like the crucial stretch where it's like, well, if they just sit on their hands and you know do goofy skits that don't have any heat, or you know uh, just kind of uh, backburner this feud, or like Aaron said, don't make Sheeta an integral part of this, and you know uh, uh, emphasize how important Terrain has been to the division and this stuff. If they don't do any of that, then it'll lose all of its momentum. So. It, it they've certainly done the, the big picture tough parts, but now they're in like the critical period. It's like, okay, now in order to cash in, we have to get it over the finish line.
3: No, that that's entirely fair, and that's something that I think can be accomplished relatively easily. Like I didn't mean to dismiss that. It's just like, you know, this is when like you reap your rewards. Is that was the point I was making. Like I think that you could very easily do that segment. And I think it would be incredibly awesome for the build and I think that's something that I feel like at least with how they've been portraying both of these wrestlers, that I have confidence whereas I don't have confidence in other feuds they're happening right now I have confidence in this one that they'll be able to pull that off
2: I think uh in the spirit of me giving all the AEW roster amnesty I think just as a podcast we should agree um you know when you're when you're responding to me and saying oh Nate you know that's reasonable that's fair you know uh I think we should just say Nate you're right you're totally right you're very correct uh (laughs) and everything you say has persuaded me and swayed me um and I stand
3: Hey, I mean, you, you were able to lead me to the right decision earlier on this show. So, I mean, Nate, you're right. You are a great leader of humanity, and I look forward to future podcasts where you further will lead me to the right destination.
2: Thank you, Mike. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have you as part of this journey.
3: I will not be involved in this journey.
1: Uh, <laughs> you're going to have to convince me of something, Nate, on this show.
2: You might be uh, too... Dig your heel. Two has dug his heels in. What did I say earlier? <laughs> I two mis- Mr. D- digs his heels in. Mr. Heels two dug in. <laughs> Mr. Two damn heels dug in.
3: <laughs> Mr. Two damn two heels dug in. I think mean, that's it. Uh, all right.
1: Um, Sheena needs a second for this match. and I You could be boring and have it be Bizunami, uh, <laughs> but it should be Keiko is all I'm saying. Uh, sign. Keiko...
3: Look, uh, in, in the spirit
2: of compromise, Aaron, you're right. I agree. I'm <laughs> persuaded.
3: Uh, Keiko did get her second. She is getting her second shot. So she'll be able to be oh, there. sick.
2: I did see that. She's very nervous because everyone that she knows has gotten the shot has been sick and stuff. So, um, you know, power through Keiko. It's it's the pain is worth the reward.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, she she made it through draft day. So that's over. Right. And now she can sit back and chill.
3: Uh, y'all, I have a conspiracy theory that I have right. like to lay down on us that actually, after we... When we get to it, I'm going to lay down this conspiracy theory. This is what we call a build. I have a crazy conspiracy theory that's popped in my head that I'll be dropping on y'all in about five minutes. Alright, looking
2: forward to I would call that more of a tease than a build, but okay. I'm, I am just should to see.
1: They did... Uh, okay. Taz did his... One of his breakdown videos, but I missed the first part of it, so I don't know what he was breaking down. But... Eventually, I mean, he was just putting over uh, Hobbs and Cage and talking shit about Christian.
2: Yeah, he was talking about Christian's maneuvers and, uh, you know, basically, you know, criticizing him and saying he was bad. Uh, I also did not pay very, very much attention to this, but the premise seemed funny. I-,
3: I thought this was a scream. Like, I'm saying, like, y- you're doing good here. And he's done this before. Like, he did this with Darby and he did it very successfully. And I like how they're kind of tapping back into it. And the, the only thing is, I wish they. Would have like him be doing these segments like not in a feud, so that like that, that when you so, like, when they dropped the derby and one in, they had it for a couple minutes, they had a couple weeks rolling where he would be actually be giving like technical explanations and then he just shat on derby. Like, having this come in out of the blue, I feel like wasn't as effective as it could have been, but I enjoyed it a lot.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think these segments are always good, so I wouldn't mind if he was still doing them. Um, but yeah, it does, does make sense because he has like. Transitioned into his full blown heel manager that he only does it to call out his his nemesis. Then we got
1: the uh, just the inexplicable four way tag match uh, to determine a challenger for the Young Bucks for next week on Dynamite: Varsity Blondes versus Jurassic Express versus SCU versus the acclaimed uh, Kazarian pinned Brian Pillman Jr. After uh, the best moonsault ever
2: the best Meltzer ever when they do the spike pile driver, best Meltzer ever. Uh, Yeah. You know, the, the, there's a limit to how peaked I'm going to get by SCU, but they're doing this story really as effectively as they can, where they have to win or they'll break up. They're going to win and they'll do a title challenge against their longtime friends who turned heel and betrayed them. And they're going to lose the match and they're going to break up and they're going to, you know, end their careers to their compatriots, the young bucks. It's a, you know, totally, Totally good pro wrestling story.
3: I just, this match, like, this was something that I kind of was almost talking myself into on light, thinking that we might be getting a varsity blondes match out of this, and I was kind of, like, building up for it, and I kind of came away with this. Like, varsity blondes and Brian Pillman Jr. has really, over, like, the last six months, has has really, like, picked it up, and, you know... It's pulling off the SEU storyline. I hope it ends with a certain. I, I think we all know how that match ends. And I hope that, you know, for the tag team and for some of the rest of involved in it, that, you know, they move on to other things.
2: Uh, Max Caster, great rap. Okay.
3: Yeah, no. I, I, I thought that he uh, had. It's not. It's no Andrew Cuomo line, but I thought that, like, bringing up, like, Dark, uh, dark Side of the Ring, like, right before Dark Side of the Ring uh, promo. Or uh, commercial was pretty, on the nose there.
2: Yeah, it was a good John Stossel line. He's great.
1: Then we got the uh, hype video for John Moxley versus Blue Justice Yuji Nagata coming up next week. Uh, we've uh, even a Nagata promo uh, worked in there, and then Moxley, fucking just went nuts on Yuji Nagata like he's just gonna destroy him. He has no respect for Yuji Nagata, <laughs> and he's gonna kill well, him next week.
2: He has no respect for anyone once the bell rings. Uh, That's true. But that includes one. Yuji Nagata. So they didn't, I mean, this was great. This was, this was sick. This was a, I mean, a picture perfect way to like have two promotions working together where they took what was basically a whole video package that new Japan put together and had on their socials and stuff. And probably on new Japan strong, I imagine. Um, and then plugged in a new Moxley promo and, you know, gave it a whole second life. And, uh, it was fucking awesome Um, that they were like had these great shots of you know going back and forth between both of them all this AEW footage of moxley and then like classic eugene nagata footage Uh, and like moxley's talking about respect and you see nagata with like the whole crowd behind him and him doing his salute uh that was awesome uh they didn't really they they did kind of skip over the step where eugene nagata responded to john moxley and was like you know talking a little trash about him so you were kind of like ooh. Moxley escalated things a lot there between steps A and C, uh, but yeah, there was there was a promo in between there where Moxley, where Nagata was like, "I'm not going to bring my sixth shooter because I like good old fashioned pure pro wrestling or whatever."
3: All right, so I'm going to couch this by saying I know absolutely this is not the case. What if this was a because there, there's been in, there's been examples of this happening? What if this is a way for uh, Bushi Road to get all the new Japan wrestlers vaccinated. <laughs>
2: uh,
3: that'd be think fun. about it.
2: That'd be that'd be good. That would be. I, sick. I support it. They, hey, it, you know, Tony should be sending vaccines over anyway. Uh, so I I endorse it.
3: Yeah, just the idea of John Moxley is going to remain the IWGP U.S. champion for however long it is, and just will be having matches like Yoshihashi is going to come over and get a vaccine. Okay, that like is ever... that is a
2: dark match, Tony. Do not put that on dynamite. I don't want to see fucking Yoshihashi If,
1: if Takeshta can't get on Dynamite, then do not put fucking Yoshihashi on Dynamite. He is dark I, wrestler.
3: I mean you you know, I mean he's Lydia gonna become talent. like the <laughs> he's just gonna be uh he's gonna be he's gonna get, he's gonna get like his V forty very quickly because they're gonna send over Toriano and actually that needs to happen on dynamite that they, they need to rehab that g1 uh rematch happen there so that that was the idea i had is that this is actually a a operation to uh get the new japan roster vaccinated
2: that was you knew you knew fucking new japan was in a bad place when everybody started the yoshihashi redemption tour narrative where it's like oh yoshihashi's got this big trio's title story and he finally won his first belt and wow yoshihashi's really showing up big In whatever the fucking New Japan Cup, it's like, no, he's not. He still stinks. His face doesn't move. Stop trying to convince me Yoshihashi does shit.
1: I'm old enough to remember the first time people tried to pretend Yoshihashi was good, and it was never true.
2: He's always been bad. Always been bad. Just makes me feel nothing as a human being.
1: Uh,
3: (laughs) (laughs) uh, Thoros in the chat is is right on board with me with this and Yujiro, you American TV veteran I mean he Dude, member of no limit if he's he brings, gonna get at this
1: I'm sorry if he brings over muffin 30 ass it will be the most <laughs> yeah. over shit that's ever been on dynamite he has to so bring I mean,
3: back the old entrance theme as that happened. you know the, the this the sexy saxophone that they used to have the, the, the Brockhampton one yeah oh yeah yeah The the best theme song that New Japan has had in years and it's gone away now Yujiro on Dynamite. I mean, everyone's going to come over here. I mean, do we think Izuka needs to get one? I mean, like, he he's still being involved in storylines one way or the other. Like, Takashi, Azuka's well, going to yeah, over now, as well.
2: See, I mean, his his theme might be better than the classic Yujiro theme. I don't know. That's a close call.
3: One and two. One and two.
1: Uh, Kenny Omega was out with Tony Schiavone. Uh, they say next week is going to be Pack versus Orange throw, Cat.
2: Throw us in the chat talking about Sorry. <laughs> you're not sorry um no i'm not i thought it'd be funny um about how your juror is an american tv veteran because he was on tna did you see that tna was teasing like oh naito he was here before he might be here for our big slam anniversary show or whatever no well they did which is like very
3: great great social media outreach there i kind of i I respect it i respect it
2: i kind of feel like it, it might help New Japan a little if Naito showed up on Impact. Is that is that messed up to say?
3: I mean, that's a way to get the uh, title eventually off Kenny, you know?
2: That'd be sick. Yeah, I would watch that for sure. I'm just, you know, I don't know what Naito's been doing. Uh, but it would be, you know, much like Yuji Nagata on Dynamite, it would be the most discussion anything in, that New Japan is doing has gotten in the West for some time. So Kenny Omega was out with Tony.
1: and Uh, uh, Before
3: we get to this, Aaron.
1: (laughs) Listen, Mike, you just said that'd be a way to get the belt off of Kenny Omega, and I didn't interrupt you and correct you. So I don't want to hear it.
3: I'm talking about the Impact belt. To Naito? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kenny Omega
3: versus Naito for the Impact title. They have great matches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. It'll be a, it'll be a great thing for a, a company that needs, you know, the uh, needs a little push in New Japan, you know, get the impact belt on her guy.
1: You know, I've heard people do the theory of like, you need this like neutral space where Omega wrestles like Okada or Kota Ibushi in Impact. And it's like, that's an interesting theory. But the idea of something
3: like that actually
1: happening in fucking Impact is just too far a bridge for me oh oh absolutely what
2: what is the theory i'm not sure i understand
3: uh, oh the
1: the the theory and he can't go to japan to wrestle in japan and
2: i don't i don't i don't don't, uh, uh, accept that premise in the first place he was booked for ultimate party after he had his issue at the airport he was gonna Uh, be on the ultimate party show after all of that
3: he was going to also be on the owe japan show
2: yeah so he can't he, he well he can't go to japan now anyway um no, why the, why the, couldn't you do those matches on Dynamite or on a pay-per-view where people will see them? The theory is,
1: and I'm not saying whether I subscribe to this, I'm just saying the theory is, maybe AEW doesn't want to put their people on New Japan and New Japan doesn't want to put their people on AEW, so if they kind of can meet somewhere else, it's like a a nice way of oh.
3: not having to do those Switzerland. Things. Switzerland. Right. Basically. Okay. Yeah. So National Switzerland.
2: I don't it doesn't make sense now that we've seen you know, New Zealand is going to be on dynamite, of course. Right, um, uh, but I do. So I guess the concept is um, uh, uh, Taz versus Mike Awesome at an ECW show when Taz worked for WWF and Mike Awesome worked for WCW. Yes, that was cool. That was a cool thing.
1: It was a cool thing. You right. had
2: you had a hot ECW crowd for that, whereas TNA no,
1: You have no crowd. Pack versus Orange Cassidy in an Eliminator match next week. Omega says, Pack's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's beat me before. Let's just announce the match. That's what it's going to be. Me versus Pack. Tony says, no, it's going to be Pack or Orange Cassidy. Orange comes out. Omega, not impressed. Uh, talks about Orange being very popular, not championship material. Says Orange stole the sunglasses gimmick from him. Takes the oranges, <laughs> the oranges, takes the sunglasses, gives them to Nakazawa. Uh, tells Orange Cassidy, see you in 10 years when you grow up.
2: You know, I like I like Dan Severn's belt train gimmick, uh, but Michael Nakazawa's Kenny Omega's belt pillow is maybe better, especially cuz he wears the AEW ones and all the other ones he delegates to Nakazawa. It's like, Nakazawa, you can have the fucking triple A title. That's fun.
3: Yeah, uh I think, like, the, the thing that, like, gets me is, like, when he put the sunglasses on Nakazawa and Nakazawa struck the pose with the belt on and it was like this with the... Uh, he had to readjust the aviators. That cracked me up. Like, I thought that this was... And and it's very clear that that is the uh, path forward. I think that, you know, like, it, it all makes sense. I will be really sad when Paco loses next week because that does seem like that, you know, he's kind of secondary here.
2: Yeah, I I saw a lot of complaining about why do this segment now when Orange Cassidy hasn't won the match yet? Um, I don't know. It, it, I don't think it's impossible that this is just a segment to make you second guess next week and Pat can still come out and beat him. And then it's like, you know, we thought Orange Cassidy was going to win that match because they did the promo last week, but they swerved us. And now we get a Packers Omega match and I'm excited for it. The, you know, seems perfectly fine. Orange Cassidy heard him talking shit and he came out and confronted him. Uh, you know, it seems like some just good pro wrestling segments. I mean, it also like gives you
1: more of a reason to root for orange Cassidy in the match. Yeah. So yeah, makes sense to me, whatever they do, but yeah, I mean, it did feel like that's where they want to go. Uh, But either of those matches is a, is a good title match for your pay-per-view. So it really doesn't matter.
2: I, it, I didn't think they would go to orange Cassidy as like a world title challenger on pay-per-view at this point. Um, but, it's a crazy thing to think about. But, it you know, it seems like it would be a good – I mean, it would be a good match for sure. It seems like it would probably be a drawing match and a, a, it seemed like a big event for a pay-per-view.
3: Yeah, and it's a good heat up because it's – we've seen how Kenny has been as a pay-per-view draw and Orange Cassie has been someone that they've noticeably – like it makes sense that he has not been really up to stuff and it kind of has been – like the third and the uh, best friends versus Kip and Miro thing, because then you had this in the back pocket, and you know, I mean, they're able to heat this up real quick, so makes sense.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, it's like neither of them is gonna win, so it really doesn't matter, I guess, who the who yeah, that's that's
2: kind of why I maybe I just do think Orange Casty wins. because like, well, they can beat Orange, that's fine, it's a good defense for Kenny, uh, they'll have a good match, and then you don't, you're not dealing pack another loss because. You know, I think you still want to protect Pack as a potential top title holder. Uh, and then, you know, you have a longer play where Orange eventually gets to like the TNC title and it's received as a big moment because he's been, you know, trying and challenging for all this time.
1: Um, over in uh, the Discord, Drake makes a good point. Why did Cage beat Hangman Page if Cage isn't part of the eliminator here for the title challenge?
2: Uh, well, I don't know who's in. The- I think they said that Pack and Orange were the top ranked guys, right? Yes, because Bades it. got knocked off. They Sorry, are, but
1: it-, it gives you a big, you know, big boost to beat the number one guy, right?
2: Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. That didn't bother me. I mean, you kind of want Cage in like it's a grief spot where he never gets the spots because he's like the fuck the world champion. and He just be like, it sucks. I'm getting screwed again. You know what I mean?
3: Mm-hmm. And- it's something that it seems like that cage is dialed into whatever the team Taz versus Christian cage thing is as well. So I don't think he was ever going to be in the picture with this.
2: No, Uh, he's like, I mean, what did he, did he challenge for the TNT title on dynamite once? Is
3: that what happened?
2: He's a TV challenger. He's not a pay-per-view challenger. It's just where I, where I slot Brian cage in my, my mental hierarchy.
3: Right, and when he came into the company in the pay-per-view with Taz, he won the match, and then he had a TV world title shot against Moxley. So, yeah, I mean, it lines yeah. up.
2: He's just a TV-level guy.
3: N- Nate, yet again, you're, you've you made an excellent point. I absolutely agree with I you. I love this
2: play. show. This show is so good now.
3: And just I just wanted to provide more evidence backing up your your tremendous point. Thank you, Mike. I hate this. I feel like this is
2: um, a really good episode we're doing.
1: <laughs> Miro is out with Tony. He says seven days from now, he has a date with destiny, a signed contract to face Darby, the man who doesn't mind dying versus the man who doesn't mind killing him.
2: Yeah, this was sick. Matt will be sick. I think, did we pitch this on last week's show? I feel like we did Miro versus Darby. Yeah. We just kill, it. just killing him. And now you, you're still protecting Darby because Darby took the big bump this week. So when he gets wrecked next week, it won't hurt him that much. You know, it won't, it won't feel like he was a fake champion. Um, and that's going to be awesome. Then you move Darby onto the Ethan Page thing, uh, and you have fucking belt monster Miro. I think that's great for everybody. Just all all this stuff is hitting on all cylinders for me.
1: I'm not sure that this is going to happen. But if they somehow went from Miro with Kip to
2: Miro gets aligned with Ethan Page, I will lose my fucking mind. <laughs> <laughs> that's really really make people long. Not amnesty. I'm I'm amnestying. Ethan
3: page (laughs) i i I mean they have conversations about gucci versus banana republic of course
2: didn't he had louis vuitton on today didn't he didn't they say they rubbed darby's face in his louis v's
3: i'm not sure who was wearing the the sneakers okay i
2: I thought it was ethan i was like wait that's not banana republic (laughs) those aren't his uh uh navy blue canvas shoes
3: (laughs) those aren't his beautiful shoes this isn't his beautiful house uh, yeah. And then they did uh, the blood and
1: guts match that we talked about off the top of the show. So uh, that was pretty much the show because there wasn't, there's a lot of stuff, you know, but there are only a few segments total. Uh, if you want to support our show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. It's the start of the month. It's a pay-per-view month. So we'll have a double or nothing live instant reaction. We'll have some stuff leading up to double or nothing. Some uh, retrospective look backs. I'm not sure what we're going to do. We got two Double or Nothings now in the in the past. So, you know, we're building up some retro content to discuss. So we'll have to figure out what the best way is to tackle Should do all an audio
2: that. commentary on last year's retrospective episode and just and listen to ourselves <laughs> talk and then talk over it.
1: <laughs> That's a very funny uh, idea, actually. I really bopped
2: him with that one. He yeah. got all excited.
1: <laughs> yeah, that made me laugh. Um, yeah, so we'll do that. Uh also planning to deliver on the, the deathmatch episode that uh that we talked about. So hopefully that'll be up this month too. Uh, we have a Discord, so check that out. This week uh we had Mike talking about uh Raider Reyes and uh, various other things on Mike's tea break.
3: Yeah, so I it was a the big first big show of AAA's year and because there's a lot of AEW crossover and affiliation there, watch the show and i also because of i just i i don't know why i like doing these things but i get a lot i like talking about just like my theory about how a things happening and how triple a is in a very interesting spot and especially how lucha libre in the mexican scene has been kind of has probably been decimated more so than any other scene other outside of europe by covid and how things are responding and then you know we're going to have to get you, Aaron, to watch this Federacion wrestling show because there's a lot of wild stuff that's happening there. Ty Conti and Red Velvet are going to be on this show.
1: Okay, I'm listening.
3: Yeah, yeah, with Ayako Hamada. Like, it is a sick. Okay, I'm listening. Sick, yeah, yeah, like it's like thing. There's also a Matt Taven main event. Um,
1: I can just turn it off before the main event. It's fine.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so just had a chance to like watch that, get my thoughts about that. And, you know, uh, I do know in the future that I, I don't know when it's getting recorded, but Drew and I are going to be talking about the Nightmare Factory produce Two show sometime pretty soon.
1: Also, you know, it's the reason it's a great month to subscribe to the Patreon is if we get enough subscriptions, I will be traveling to New York City on June 19th on my birthday. To Dave and Buster's in Times Square to uh, see the Pink Dream Alex Gracia for a meet and greet.
2: <laughs> Didn't know that's where that was going. I thought that was going to be, <laughs> hey, you like blood? Well, Mike's going to blade on Cam, uh, but no, the, it's the Alex Gracia and Hikaru Shida autograph session at a Dave and Buster's, along with like some Playboy models? Question mark. Yeah,
1: so it's going to be good. Um, and I can only go if uh, you all give me enough money so that I can. You know, take this trip. So so do it. Patreon more,
2: more patrons we have, the more checkies Aaron can buy.
1: That's right, baby. Um we got three tiers. The eight dollar tier. The key is that the eight dollar tier gets you the live show and the replay of this show. So and sometimes it takes a while for that, uh, for that main show to go up. So you'd like to have that YouTube replay. Patreon.com slash everything elite next week on uh dynamite is the name of the show that we talk about. We will have the IWGP US Championship match. John Moxley versus Eugene Nagata. Young Bucks versus SCU. That's a title match, too, right?
3: Yes. Yes, yes. Okay.
1: Title versus tag team, basically. So. Impromptu a quest, this match. That's right, baby. Uh, an Eliminator match, Pack versus Orange Cassidy, to see who's going to wrestle Omega at double or nothing. Uh, TNT title match, Darby Allin versus Miro. Tony's going to interview Jade Cargill. Cody will make his double or nothing announcement, which it's like, (laughs) okay, who gives a fuck? It's like, if you're going to wrestle the governor, then just build the feud. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, sick card. It's like pay-per-view level card.
3: Yeah, no, there's a lot to like on this show. The governor. All right.
1: Uh, And then we found out for sure that a double or nothing for the women's world title will be Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker on Sunday, May 30th. Uh, it's going to be at daly's place uh with a full capacity crowd so i um will not be traveling to that um but i am I don't, how how hard i was talking to uh, tj hawk friend of the show tj hawk about this earlier today mm-hmm. how difficult do you think uh, all out tickets are going to be to come
3: by uh insane
2: yeah I, I said that that's going to be the only excuse people have in our dm for not coming to all out is not being able to get tickets because mm-hmm. yeah i think it's going to be open and a hot ticket
3: and i think that they'll probably be doing some sort of like fan fest. given that they are doing a lot of stuff it seems like in Jacksonville. i don't know if this got officially announced but i, I saw their speculation they might be doing another live show on friday and then the fan fest and then the uh, pay review on sunday
1: no, I mean, I mean for the, for the
3: September show, like, oh, oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying is I think they'll probably be doing that again in Chicago, oh, okay. most likely, yeah. Yeah, so
2: you'll have travelers and,
3: yeah.
1: Well, I'm gonna, it, it, if you drop together... a, I'm gonna drop a line to my friend Tony Khan and just say, hey, <laughs> yeah, make sure to get the E boys in the building.
2: I uh, yeah, I didn't get in the building for Revolution, um, yeah, and I've I've uh, held that against uh, Maxwell Jacob Friedman personally. Hence, all of our criticism of him on the show.
3: However, we are now uh, amnesty. Pages. Yes, amnesty, amnesty. Yes, aw yes. amnesty. Uh, I would be there, clear. That, I appreciate it.
2: I want to be clear. I will never amnesty anyone. No, yeah, your grudges die hard. Um, no chill, Aaron Bentley. That's all.
1: Yeah. No, I love to hold grudges. <laughs> I love to hold grudges for other people. Like, right? If somebody did something to you. I'm probably still mad about it after you forget about it and don't care anymore,
2: right, yeah, no I, I appreciate that. I did say i well I inherited all of your grudges when I uh, joined the show here, yes, you so did. yeah for sure,
1: congratulations. it's um, been fun
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right, well, I think that's pretty much all we have to talk about tonight. It was uh you know there wasn't as much on on dynamite as usual. They didn't do five billion things uh, as they usually do, so uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter oh,
2: can i I'm, I'm gonna respond to uh... <laughs> I'm just gonna recaps on the show are good. I like recaps for a couple of reasons. Um, first, they tell the audience what's important, second, stuff just gets more over and is more impactful when you see it multiple times. You can focus in on the details. Um, also, you know, we're talking about wrestling fans, stuff gets over with wrestling fans just from repetition, like you can have the worst catchphrase in the world. Uh, like it's, it's not confidence. It's all ego. And if you just say it enough, it'll get over from repetition. It's like fucking the, the Miz's Entire career. Uh, so that's another reason recaps are good and enhance the show. You don't have to do them for every segment like WWE, but to, you know, when you have a giant angle, like the nightmare Factory or the factory laying out the nightmare family, like show it again the next week, just to emphasize how devastating it was and how this is an ongoing sort of story. You
1: know, I agree with that uh, because it's like you have this group of people who when people criticize something they like, they will say, oh, that's WWE brain. You just have been uh, brainwashed by WWE. It's like, but no, that is actually WWE brain because you're so you're right that like they do repeat everything and show a replay of everything and that gets annoying. But that doesn't mean that all replays are bad or that all recaps are bad. We have seen very clear evidence that people don't tune into dynamite every single week. Also like their audience does come and go. So sometimes it's good to reshow things, right?
2: You know, you, every other promotion has made good. Like you go back to like the history of like hardcore television and like half of those shows would be recaps <clears throat> or like, you know, uh, 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 clipped matches and then a recap of whatever the big feud is that they're going to their big show where they're going to sell all the tickets uh, you know, so I'm not saying, again, do another anime recap episode because you're uh, short on time on dynamite. But, you know, when you have a giant angle, if you don't recap it or go back to it at all, or what should be a giant angle, it just feels like TNA where it's one thing onto the next, on the next, on the next, to the back, to the back, to the back.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I kind of, because of the other stuff on the show, I kind of hate to agree with you at this point, Nate, but.
2: Like I said, I'd persuade you on something. <laughs> and now you didn't did.
1: persuade me on that. I already agreed. There's no way to know that. I'm telling you.
2: Make your own choice, audience. <laughs>
1: All right. uh Find out other things that Nate will try to persuade me on over at everything AEW on Twitter. I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji. Hey, uh, Nate's trying to think of something he could persuade. Oh, me I, on. Uh, well,
2: I told you to watch uh the Royal Tenet bombs, so you'll have to try that and see if I persuaded you. No, I will never. I will
1: never do that. I'm going to be honest with you. Big Gene
2: Hackman guy. Am I? <laughs> That's what you said. That's what you said on the fucking podcast.
1: I don't think I've ever said I'm a big Gene Hackman guy. Okay, we well, didn't say those you?
2: exact words. You did say, "Oh, I do like Gene Hackman," or something to that effect. Mm. I don't know. I have to check the tape on that one. To run it back. Well,
1: when we're doing our audio commentary <laughs> no. of that episode, I'll, I'll figure out whether that was true. <laughs> have any? Have people done um, audio commentaries of podcasts before?
2: Yes, yeah, so no. I, I stole oh, that really? idea. Yeah, I stole that idea um, from. I think the first people that did it were the uh, Harris Whittles RIP and Scott Ackerman podcast analyze fish where Harris Whittles tried to persuade Scott Ackerman to like fish and Scott Ackerman was like, no, I, fuck, I will not fucking like fish. Uh, and, <laughs> and one, like in the first season, like episode eight is like an audio commentary of episode six or something where they brought Paul F. Tompkins on just to talk over it. Uh, so that's <laughs> where I stole the idea. That's a very funny bit, but of course, Harris, Harris- Whittles is a very funny man. Yes, he was. So
1: have to agree with that. All right. Well, when we, I would. It's now. I'm really thinking of. It would be a funny bit to do like all of our episodes. Be like, okay, we're gonna recap every episode we've
3: ever done. It, it's time for us to do everything elite seventy four. Everything <laughs> elite. We had to do it outboard. We had to pick like random episodes. Like, yeah. I mean, like, this and- is
2: not so different from like old wrestling recap timeline shows oh, where they go right. back and watch. You know, all the people that are upset that WWE Network doesn't exist because they can't watch whatever it is. I guess I, Aaron does is supposed to be watching SMW, so I shouldn't uh, bury this idea in general too hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've and, really failed yeah. at that. Yeah, <laughs> but I was yeah. going to say, it's not, It's you know, they're about as valuable Um, because one's old wrestling and the other one's old podcast not wrestling yeah hey but smw not as widely
1: available as like every wwe show that's ever yeah
2: no i'm 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 exaggerating there is uh especially you know when you break it down and you got all the backstage machinations and and insight and stuff it it can be interesting but big people people that just go back and and, uh you know watch wwf pay-per-views from 2004 or whatever and be like let's talk about these old matches doesn't uh, i don't understand the necessity
1: we will not be doing that here
2: but although like i'm inviting more grudges to the show please jump in
1: (laughs) i can't although i can't imagine like 10 years from now us being like all right here's uh double or nothing 2023 where we just like do that basically so so let's everybody forget about this okay when that comes all right. Uh, I did. The, I talked about our Twitter accounts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, go to slash everything elite uh, and join up. Give us a try this month, and uh, it'll be worth it. So join us. We'll have fun. That's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week. Thanks.